Shorting electric vehicles, this time on Right Angle. Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green. This episode of Right Angle brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal on December 18th that uh, Akio Toyoda, with a D, uh, who is the president of the Toyota Motor Company, uh, named after his family, sort of, um, has said that there is a silent majority in the industry of automakers that don't believe that they should go all in exclusively on electric vehicles. And he said they're a silent majority uh, who fear speaking out. And the reason for that is, and I'll read the quote, because the right, uh, here it is, no, it's not the quote, let me get the right, right quote, here he is. Um, they think that it, meaning electric vehicles, going all in on electric vehicles, they think that it's the trend so they can't speak out loud. And the story notes a couple of car companies that have already made commitments to have complete lineup of nothing but electric vehicles by a particular date. Certain there are two or three major automakers who've already committed to that. And he said, Toyota's not going to do that uh, because he thinks that they should explore all options, including hybrid vehicles, including hydrogen vehicles, and who knows what else thereafter. Um, and uh, Bill Whittle, I thought this was interesting because one of my favorite lines from the story, uh, and he says, it says a lot of wise things, but he said, look, the automakers need the profits from gasoline engines to be able to do the research development and production setup for more experimental things like electric cars with smaller batteries and, uh, and frankly, finding uh, enduring sources of battery material, which is uh, in a shortage state or they're perceiving it's going to be in a shortage state very soon. Um, electric vehicles are 6.5% of the new car market right now, but that's skewed by California. Uh, that has really been driven by uh, an outsized uh, purchasing by Californians. Uh, there's one Illinois car dealer who says that, yes, there's interest in electric vehicles, and he tr attributes that primarily due to the shortage thereof. And so people are always wanting what they can't have. But he, sa he says, quote, is it more than 10 to 15% of our customer base? No way. And so uh, this is guy standing up in the middle of the auto industry and it's Toyota. So this is the big cheese in the, on the auto industry. They're saying, number one, yeah. Listen, yeah, listen, uh, maybe nobody else wants to say this, but if you go in, all in on electric vehicles, you're making a huge mistake. You know, if you were to, if you were to present electric vehicles, I, I personally, uh, I'm one of the fans of those exotic gasoline-powered vehicles, personally. But if you were to lay all this stuff out on a table, right, before any of it had been invented and said, okay, here's the benefits of one thing, here's the benefits of the other thing, I think the, 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 the internal combustion gasoline engine would win virtually all of those categories. Um, the, thing, the thing that, well, first of all, in terms of being skewed by California, all you need to know about the state of California is on the day that they said, we will mandate that every car sold in this state will be electric by 2035, I think was the date. Yeah. That same day, they released an announcement saying, you must cut back your power usage because we do not have enough electrical power to to, yeah. to, to run run the grid. So turn your, your you know, set your thermostats higher in the summer and so on. This is, this is what we believe. We did an episode where somebody did the calculation and said that you had to build a gigawatt powered plant was it per week, per month, per day, in order to meet the expected demand of this? I think per but here's week, one thing yeah. about electric here's one thing about electric cars that that I haven't seen very many people talk about. And that is charging time, right? You go to a gas station uh, and and you fill up your car, 
you know, that might be a, if it's a big, big car, it might be a seven, eight, 10 minute adventure, right? But, but if you go to a charging station, you're there for 45 minutes and, and forget about the inconvenience of waiting there for 45 minutes. Think about the throughput issue, yeah. right? Yeah. How many, how many cars go past a single pump in 45 minutes while one electric car gets charged? I just saw right? a story on this and, bill and, where they said that uh, Europeans have it better than Americans in a sense, because Americans are not willing to accept short range electric cars. But in order to be able to have that charging capacity where you can charge up and then go and then charge up and then go, you've got to have a much more built out infrastructure with a lot of charging stations and quick charging times, which means you can't have trips that are as long as Americans demand because well, they're used to good, delicious gasoline. Well, not only so, that, but look, so, look, look at Europe. Germany uh, has 80 million people and is the size of Oregon and Washington combined. Short trips make yeah. a lot of sense in Germany. England yeah. is the size of Illinois and they've got, you know, 50 million people. Uh, there's just it, it's a different geography. It's a more compact geography. And what works there doesn't necessarily work here. Same with high speed rail. It's a good it's a, it's a good urban solution. Right. It, because you don't have to travel uh, distances that outrange your your battery capability for the day. You've got a lot of congestion. They're they're quieter. They're they're cleaner. Mm. Although I have to tell you, given given the advances in um in actual pollution control, not talking about carbon dioxide, but the air that goes into my Camaro's air comes out of it, it's practically cleaner than the air that went into it, right? I mean, they've really done amazing yeah. things in terms of actual pollutants. But but yes, this once again is our intellectual elites in the cities, the urban elites telling us that everybody has to adopt the things that they like because they're they're useful in cities and they're expensive and you charge them at home. Now I saw um, a senator ask uh, 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 Department of Transportation Secretary Pete, Pete Buttigieg, said, uh, is, is charging your car more, um, does it use more electricity than running your refrigerator? And he said, yes. And he said, do you know how much more expensive it is than running your refrigerator? And Buttigieg said, yes. And then the, then the senator said, is it in fact 40 times more electrically, uh, the, the demand is 40 times what your refrigerator is. And Buttigieg says, yes. So there's this idea that once you put down the hundred grand for the electric car, everything's free after that, right? First of all, you're if you're going to charge it at home, that's where most of the charging happens. Yeah. Your electric bill is going to go way, yeah. way, way up. Your electric bill, by the way, is also going to go up whether you have an electric car or not, because as they, as they continue to lose, as they continue to tighten the grip on fossil fuels, we used to export those a few years ago. When, when Donald Trump was president, we were an oil exporter, which blew my mind. So not only are you going to be using a lot more electricity, the electricity is going to be getting more expensive as well. And and this is this is the perfect example of what is wrong with, with left-wingers and left-wing politics, right? They can't just take a good idea or even a good idea that works for them. They have to virtue signal by forcing the entire country, coercively in the state of California, certainly, to live by their own standards. And if it turns out you live in the country and you have to stop for three or four hours on a, on a two hour drive in order to charge your car, then they, they don't care, right? They don't care. So this is, this is madness is what it is. And I'm glad to hear that somebody's speaking up, but the real, the real, real issue here, Scott, is 
Why is a company that makes cars afraid to come out and say, we would like to continue to make gasoline-powered cars? What is so terrifying about that? And we all know the answer. Yeah, and this is what Akio Toyota is saying. And of course, he's speaking on behalf of people who aren't speaking. So he gets the, he gets the benefit of the doubt that he's accurately expressing things that are thought by people who are afraid to speak, allegedly afraid to speak anyway. Um, Stephen Green, it's interesting because Toyota is not saying we shouldn't develop electric cars. In fact, they think by the year 2030, they're going to spend something like $35 billion in the process of developing more electric vehicles. He just says that they should diversify gasoline engines, hybrid engines, electric vehicles, um, and uh, hydrogen models. He said, and this is a quote from Akio Toyota, he said, because the right answer is still unclear, we shouldn't limit ourselves to just one option. And he points out that the infrastructure for charging, as Bill was talking about, is lacking at this point, that it's a really high build cost right now, um, not the least of which is the cost of developing and, and building these batteries, and um, that you shouldn't narrow down your focus too quickly. And then he he puts a thing in there that I think should cause every progressive heart to go pitter-patter, his concern for people in rural areas. He said, look, customers in rural areas or developing countries could be left behind in an all-electric vehicle world. If you get none of the major car makers or any more willing to serve those markets because of the pressure they feel externally or internally or from their shareholders or politicians, then you may wind up with people in rural areas in developing countries who just can't get around because they can't buy the transportation. You know, it's it's more than just electric vehicles. I'm glad you asked me this because I I totally forgotten this until until you set up your question there at the end, Scott. Uh, Joe Biden, the alleged president, announced you know the great fanfare last week that we were going to give eight billion dollars that you know we don't have to South Africa to get them to shut off their coal plants. And I can tell you exactly hmm. what's going to happen because South Africa is a pretty corrupt country. They're going to piss away the eight billion dollars pretty quickly. And they're going to be left with unreliable intermittent electricity, which is going to take a poor, corrupt country, and it's going to inflict even more harm on South Africans than their own government already does. And we are bribing them. We are bribing them to be even worse to their own people. And this is a point of pride. France just fired up a couple of dozen nuclear plants that they had chilled because of, you know, concerns about nuclear power yeah. or whatever. But now that they have an energy shortage, they've they put those power plants, those nuclear power plants back online. Good. See, Good see for them. this is why climate change is the duct tape of 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 left-wing politics. You can stick it to anything and it'll stop moving. That's exactly <laughs> what this is. It it is when it was global warming. They, they had a case for global warming, and when they when the when their models and the evidence wasn't strong enough, they had to change it to climate change. So, if if things get warmer, it's because we're burning uh, fossil fuels. If they get colder, it's because we're bu- burning fossil fuels, and and on and on and on. But if you just sit back for a minute and just think about gasoline as 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 if you'd never seen it before, and you let's say you had an all electric economy, and somebody said, "Well, there's this stuff called gasoline. We think maybe we might want to try this." Really? Yeah. So does it does it must require billions of dollars of rare materials in order to 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 produce to get a hold of this so-called gasoline right no it's just under the ground we just dig a hole we just basically put a pipe down there and psh, out it comes well how, how do you transport this thing just another pipe 
And and when it comes out of the pipe, you put a match to it, catches fire. If that's that's the energy density of this fluid. It's it's pumpable, it's transmittable, it's storable. Well, it's stored. You must have some kind of what you need to do, some sort of cryogenic system to keep the thing. You know, no, you just put it in a can, put it in a paint can, right? And and if you if you were to if you were to present it that way, people would begin to appreciate just how amazing this stuff is. The, the flip side, and we've been told. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And we've been told that we're going to run out of it forever. But when Donald Trump was president and we were and we were allowed to develop our own resources, there was more oil available in in 2018 than there was when the first oil was drilled back in Pennsylvania in the end of the 1800s. We have we can get more oil out of the ground now than we could then. We've exhausted all of the easily obtainable, you know, tap a hole in the ground, it comes gushing out. But because because we don't stand still, at least we used to not stand still, technology has meant that we can get more of this stuff than we have ever been able to get before ever. And this is a real problem for the people who want to shut down capitalism. You know, the real flip side of that, though, is I want to, I want to talk about this this diversity, though, because I, I think it is important because I am a capitalist and I believe in freedom of choice, consumers spending with their with their pocketbooks. Or, or, or voting with their pocketbooks. If I still lived in San Francisco, I would want the tiniest EV you could possibly get. Something big enough to get me to the grocery store and back because I've carried groceries on the on, on the bus, on the Muni, and it sucks. So just give me my little smart car with a battery and I'll you know zoom up to the grocery store, zoom back, and I'll be fine. And also I can find a place to park the damn thing. Um, I used to have I used to park illegally outside the Daily City BART station, a residential area that I found. And once a week or two, when I needed my car, I'd take the BART down to Daly City, get my truck, do my shopping. <laughs> it's just parking's expensive and difficult in San Francisco. So I get the tiniest little EV I can. But I don't live in San Francisco anymore. I live in the exurbs. I live where it's cold. I live where it's hilly. I've got two dogs and three kids and a home that requires a lot of trips to Home Depot. I've got a I I I I need cargo volume. I need I need I, I need to be able to tow stuff. Pulling power. Exactly. Uh, I don't know if you read this, but uh, a couple of guys spent big money on Ford's new EV truck. I can't remember uh, what it is, but I think it's the electric F-150 Lightning or whatever they call it. Well, they found out that if you try and tow something, you don't get any range out of the thing. Their 300 plus mile range turned into like 80 miles or something. And they got a big blog post out of that you, that was fun to read. And now that the weather's- You should call it the Ford Daffodil. And now that the weather's turned cold, their range has been cut in half again because God forbid you turn on the heater uh, or try to drive in the cold because cold kills batteries. The battery has to work harder, has to use more of its own energy to put the same amount of energies to, energy to your wheels. So if you're a contractor, if you live in the, the, the burbs or the exurbs, uh, if you have a farm, oh God, they're trying to make our farms electric and they're probably going to do it. Yeah. And yeah, you sure. can't run a farm without diesel. You just can't do it. The whole thing, this, this whole mock Save the environment mo movement is about one thing. It's about limiting choices in order to make us poorer and more dependent. And that's it. 
Yeah. The circulatory system of this country and this economy are the highways that run through it, and the trucks are the red blood cells of the corpuscles. Yeah. Trucks are what carries everything to where it needs to go, and they go long distances hauling huge loads, and they're based – they are working by the hour, right? They're working on the mile per hour. They've got it. The, the more distance they can travel in the smallest amount of time, the more money those people make and the faster what you – what you want to be there gets there. So what what about all of this stuff, you know? This is this is once again it's just, it's this cocktail party philosophy being enforced upon the people that make cocktail parties possible. It's why uh, the Israeli experiment with uh, electric vehicles with swappable batteries is probably more promising than anything we're seeing yeah. in the US yeah. because Standardized if you can pull your pack. car in and basically drop the battery and pick up another one and take off while they recharge it, if you could make it modular like that, then you know it's like me going out and, and buying a package full of D-cells to slap in my uh, AM FM radio. Um, so you know, I, I want to bring this to a close with just a, a really short observation. The whole reason I brought this story up is because I thought it was bold of Akio Toyota to stand up and say something that apparently others are afraid to say, but certainly he's in a position to do so. He's not some fringe character in the industry. Um, Toyota has been a leader for a long time and um, their headquarters is not far from my house. Their North American headquarters is not far from my house here in Texas. Um, but I thought, well, here we see uh, on the one side, politicians and activists who are basically trying to push a storyline and cow everyone else into silence uh, and intimidating people who do not wish to buy into the storyline. And then on the other side, we have people like Akio Toyota and people who apparently are not yet bold enough to speak out who, who are manufacturing automobiles. And it, when it comes down to a question of who you going to believe, people who say things or people who do things, I'm going to go with the people who do things almost every time. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.